and welcome to the Hibs Observer uh, morning briefing. Myself, Patrick McPartland, joined by Liam Bryce, as always, to discuss the latest news coming out of Easter Road. It has been the international break, so um, not a great deal going on, but still two or three topics that uh, I think probably warrant a bit of debate and discussion um, before we get back to domestic action on Saturday at Dens Park. So I think, Liam, probably the biggest um, kind of bit of news this week was Nick Montgomery's comments about Paul Hanlon and Lewis Stevenson. Um, obviously, the pair of them haven't maybe haven't played that much under him um, since he came in. I think it's a handful of starts each and a couple of appearances off the bench. There has been games where they've not been uh, not been used at all. But the suggestions from the manager seem to be that both of them still have uh, a role to play in his squad. What what did you make of uh, make of his comments about you know sort of blending youth and experience uh, in his squad and, and the role that the two of them uh, can still play? Yeah, um, I think it's it's probably what you'd expect from a, a manager who's um, probably to an extent maybe still, you know, just sussing out exactly what he wants going forward, um, ex- exactly what he thinks he needs. He's obviously come in uh, in middle of September, he's had a couple of months to, to kind of oversee everything, make judgments on players without maybe, you know, coming to you know, every every firm conclusion that he's going to. Um, I, th- I mean, obviously, he's a wee, he was a wee bit non-committal about it, wasn't he? But I think when it comes to contracts and stuff, um, managers tend to be like that unless, you know, things are much further on behind the scenes than they want to let on. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's no surprise that he, you know, he's, he's talking about the kind of consummate professionalism of Hanlon and Stevenson. I don't think, you know, anybody will be shocked by that. That's, you know, kind of, They've kind of built their, their reputation um, on not only being good players, but being, you know, kind of model pros who are used as examples for, you know, young players coming through at the club. So, I mean, it's, it'll be interesting to see how it develops. I think there are obviously quite a few decisions to be made um, on contracts. Um, and I think both will have a part to play um, from now to the end of the season. I mean, it's not hibs of not particularly... Not a great deal of depth um, in the sort of defensive areas, especially kind of centre back. Um, yeah. I think that that's maybe something that they'll look to address in January. But I certainly think you know guys have such experience. I'm not going to play every week now. Um, you know, I think especially you know maybe Lewis Stevenson, considering you know Jordan Abita's kind of made that left back role his own. Um, but they will still contribute, I think. Um, and then obviously you know they will kind of bring value to the and value and kind of sorry, valuable experience to the to the squad. Um I think actually we did a piece earlier on in the week looking at who were the sort of most who was adding sort of most value uh, with their performances um yeah. to the Hibs squad this season. It was just a kind of a methodology on stats bomb that we use and it just kind of judges the value of every action that a player makes um on the pitch. Um and we kind of obviously we filtered that a wee bit um to to really just kind of include the players who played the most minutes because it you know it, small sort of sample sizes can sort of skew things to an extent. Um, yeah. So it was players that had only played like kind of six hundred minutes or more, which kind of kind of drilled down into the you know the, the sort of core um, 
who have started most games this season. Um, but if you, it was interesting, and I probably should have put this in a piece actually. But uh, if you dialed it back a wee bit, and not to you know a kind of silly extent of guys who'd only played maybe 15, 20 minutes here or there, um, it was still kind of over 200, 300 minutes that actually Paul Hanlon. Uh, was kind of up there in terms of sort of the value that he was adding um, and his kind of sort of limited performance uh, appearances so far. Um, so, I mean, just from that kind of metric alone, um, it kind of shows you that, you know, the likes of himself and Stevenson still have something to offer. Um, I know he took a bit of criticism at times, Hanlon, for a couple of performances earlier this season. But, you know, to have guys like that still in and around the place, especially when you're trying to bring young players through as well. You know, there's a couple of yeah. 16, 17 year olds in the squad. They need that kind of influence guys that they can look up to. Um, so w- whether kind of one or both of them will be still be uh, around come next season, I-, I think it's hard to say because it's, it, it could come down to, you know, like where they kind of see themselves, you know, they are sort of coming towards the, the kind of latter stages of their career now. Um, obviously, we know Paul Hanlon, you know, kind of graduated with um, a degree um, recently. You know, he's obviously thinking about life after football. The kind of possibility of coaching roles and everything is obviously there as well. So, I mean, it, it probably, when you've got that kind of much, you know, respect um, at the club, I think there, there will be an element of, you know, what do they fancy doing? Do they want to stick around in some capacity? Or do they want to continue their playing career elsewhere? Because I know it, it kind of can get to that stage if guys are kind of getting well into their 30s, but they want to keep playing. You know, sometimes the club won't hold them back if they want to go and maybe try and play regular week-to-week football elsewhere that they might not get at Hibs. Um, so, I mean, it's it's all kind of still very much up in the air at the moment. But it's as far as what Nick Montgomery said about it, I think it's kind of what you'd expect him to say. And I do think they'll... They'll probably be in and out of the team between now and the end of the season. Yeah, I mean it's 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 an interesting topic because I think there's there's quite a few things at play here. Um, one is you've obviously got the fact that you know they have been around the squad for a long time. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I think if you look back over the last, um, I mean, even going back to the sort of Scottish Cup final uh, season, obviously the pair of them have contributed a lot. I think they're the kind of players who you know they're going to most weeks give you a sort of solid 7 out of 10. And I think you need players like that in your squad. I think I think Neil Warnock actually said something very similar to you about about uh, Nick Montgomery when he was a player in his Sheffield <laughs> yeah. United squad about, you know, he's, he's never going to be a, what was it, he was never a 5 out of 10, never a 9 out of 10, but he was always yep. like a solid 7 out of 10. Yep. And I, I think, you know, you, you get that from, from Hanlon and Stevenson most times they play. I mean, we're not saying they're perfect, not saying that they don't have a mistake in them because I think they do. If they didn't, they wouldn't be at Hibs. Um, or they wouldn't have spent so long at Hibs. Um, but I think it's it's an interesting it's interesting to think that certainly at Central Coast Mariners, Montgomery developed a bit of a reputation for moving on players who you know have maybe been in and around the squad a little bit too long. I, I think he's you know there's maybe a little bit of ruthlessness in there. Um, you know for the the sort of greater good of the team. And I think I think it's about striking a balance. You know if, if you've got players who you know, won't be able to contribute in the way that the manager wants him to in his style of play. So, you know, for Montgomery, that's that sort of, you know, his pressing game, that sort of fluid 4-4-2 um, formation. And I, I think, I think like, I, I certainly would agree with you that I think, you know, we will see them in and out of the team between now and the end of the current campaign. I, I don't, 
I don't think Hibs would be going into a new season with the two of them as certainly not starters. And I think this might be the first summer where we might see, um, you know, for the first time in, well, probably for as long as as long as we can remember that, you know, there is some sort of doubt over whether they're going to be heavily involved in the in the senior squad. Uh, I think, I mean, my, my gut feeling would be that the reliability and, you know, that sort of 7 out of 10 characteristic that they both have is, is probably, it's been good for Hibs, but it's also been detrimental because, I mean, you know, you speak to fans about the centre-backs and, and the defence, you look at how they were playing at the start of the season when they had those, um, that sort of run of three losses um, in sort of first three games of the season, the first three league games. And, you know, I think, I think it's, it's problematic because, you know, Hibs shouldn't have a defence that still, at the start of the season anyway, was relying on Lewis Stevenson at left-back and, and Paul Hanlon at centre-back. Now, that's not to take anything away from them. It's not to say they, you know, they're past it or they, don't still, they still don't have something to offer because they both do. But I think their their reliability and their consistency over the years has probably probably sort of like held Hibs back from you know bringing in more uh, in defence. I mean, I know we've seen um, you know we've seen Rocky Bashiri come in. You've seen Will Fish, um, Riley Harbottle obviously arrived in the summer, but hasn't really been hasn't really been seen much uh, recently. I think he's only been on the bench a handful of times under Montgomery, which I think you know possibly tells its own story about where they see him in terms of readiness for, for first-team football. Um, so I think, you know, you, you do have this situation where, you know, will you be starting them every week? No. Could they still do a job? Probably. And I think when you consider when you consider that Hibs don't have a, a great deal of strength and depth, I think having the two of them to call upon from the bench even, um, knowing that you've got reliable, reliable guys who get the squad who, you know, have shown they can play you know the style of the style of sort of football that Montgomery wants from them is it's probably going to be beneficial. But you know this this does feel like the time that I mean certainly with both of them out of contract in the summer, you can maybe see the two of them getting maybe like another twelve months off for each possibly. Um, you know this isn't inside information. This is just me speculating here just to clarify before anyone starts keeping receipts for uh, for future. But. <laughs> You know, it would be it wouldn't be the daftest thing, I think, to try and keep them on sort of twelve month contracts just to have them around to help sort of bring through some of those academy youngsters that you're talking about and, and just to have them there, you know, to call upon. I mean, they've obviously done their coaching badges as well, and get them involved with the um you know, some of the academy teams academy teams as well. And and that's you know, that's gonna be beneficial. Um, but I think certainly it'll be it'll be interesting to see what the what the coaching staff decide. Um, decide to do with them this summer um, you know with them being out of contract I mean there's quite a few boys out of contract as we discussed um, and you know Nick Montgomery has been very consistent in kind of you know batting the questions away during, during press conferences and, and suggesting that it's you know that's for later down the line so you know maybe there's a, an element of waiting to see waiting to see a bit more from them over the course of the season uh, before making a decision but um, yeah, I mean, my my take on it would be that I don't think either of them are finished. Whether or not they've got a future at Hibs as sort of regular first teamers, I think is is probably a bit up in the air. And whilst that might be quite difficult for a lot of diehard Hibbies to to come to terms with, because they've they've kind of been part of the furniture for so long, um, Lewis Stevenson especially. Um, you know, I don't I don't think you can afford to have too too much room for sentiment. Um, and I think ultimately that's that's what it's going to boil down to. 
um, you know, when it comes to when it comes to this summer. So certainly one to keep an eye on. Um, and I'm sure they'll they'll both be used, you know, quite a lot between now and the end of the season. And uh, as you were saying, you know, the stats are showing that they're both they both still got a lot to offer. Um, so yeah, I think an interesting one to to keep our eyes on until the until the summer. Yeah, definitely. I think there's maybe a sort of broader issue that we'll maybe touch a, a bit on this later on as well. And just in terms of, I think the average age of the squad yes. is sort of creeping up a bit at the moment. Um, and I mean that if it's something that Nick Montgomery wants to bring down um, going forward, because I think just you know it, it's, it's something clubs try to avoid. I think in general, um, especially when you know you are kind of looking to be a, a club who perhaps develops players and then as part of your model at some point will maybe sell them on for um, a decent amount of money to have you know um, too many players who are getting you know can into their well into their thirties you know can get into the, the sort of wrong end. Of, it's kind of depressing talking about that now when I'm in my thirties as well. Uh, used to be able to comment on things like that as a youngster. Um, Maybe this uh, this past sort of months, so I think you're all right. <laughs> I know, uh, still clinging on. Um, but I think that you know there are quite a few kind of senior players in the squad now. Um, you obviously look at Hanlon yeah. and Stevenson. You've got David Marshall, um, Adam Lafondra. Um, who else have we got? Christian Dodge is 31 now. Even Martin Boyle is going to be 31 next year, which kind of seems <laughs> seems a bit. Hard to comprehend. Um, so, yeah, maybe something to do with that. Um, so I, I think that's going to come into it as well. I think there's going to be decisions. I think some of them might take care of themselves um, in terms of guys who might end up calling time or you know who just kind of naturally end up moving on. Um, but I certainly think that will come into it as well because I think Nick Montgomery will want to bring the average age of the squad down. Um, I know there's a kind of couple. Of, I think the sort of youngest um, average age lineup this season was the kind of away game at St Mirren, and I think that was only because you know Rory Whitaker started, um, and he's you know 16, so he yeah, <laughs> he dragged he dragged that down quite considerably. Um, so I think there will be an element of that going forward. Whether Hanlon and Stevenson that affects what happens with them, I don't know, but I think it's maybe an issue that's that's going to maybe come to the fore a wee bit over the next couple of months. Um, I think certainly in the January market, if Nick Montgomery's looking for players, I wouldn't be surprised to see them start looking towards that kind of early 20s. You know, guys who can come in um, and immediately make an impact. You know, it's not, you know, kind of teenagers who are, you know, going to be kind of bedded in over a a long period of time. Um, But in terms of adding more senior players to the squad, I, I don't know. I mean, I could be completely wrong here, um, but I, 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 I do think that it will be uh, something we'll, we'll see Hibs kind of look to, you know, kind of bring that that balance of youth and experience, kind of kind of redress that towards the middle a wee bit. I think. Yeah, I think I think you've got a point there. Um, I mean, I, I think you think back to when Lee Johnson was in charge and he had his his four eight eight four model in terms of his, his ideal squad, which was sort of four players kind of, I think, 17, 18. Um, then you had eight in that sort of, uh, I think they were, what was it, assets or something like that. So they were sort of, you know, 19, 20 to 24, 25. You then had players in their peak, which was another eight from like 25 to 30. And then you had your sort of experienced players, which was kind of 31 plus. Um, you know, and obviously you wanted four in, in that slot. But I mean, it's, 
you can sort of see the science and the logic behind that in terms of having you know a, a squad that's a squad that's made up of um, you know a mixture of, of personalities and a mixture of experience and ability because you know that's that's maybe how you try and maybe how you try and get a, as well rounded a squad as you as you can. But it's you know football isn't perfect. It's not. It isn't football manager in real life, and you know it's. I think it is very difficult to say, right, well, you know, we'll sign this player because he fits the model, um, but this player doesn't, even if, you know, the second player, if he's the wrong age profile, but might actually be the better signing. Um, yeah, I don't think, I don't think you can really operate um, on that level. So I think, I think one of the other things that would be taken into consideration is, is Brian McDermott and the contacts he will have. Um, I mean, if you look at the moment you mentioned about bringing the average age of the squad down, but if you're playing Rocky Bashiri and, and Will Fish, then that's a centre back pairing that has you know quite a, a young combined age. Um, I think Rocky's 23 and Fish is still 20, so that's you know that's an average that's a, a centre back pairing with a combined age that isn't that much more than like David Marshall or Adam Lavondra. Um, and I really hope they're not listening because that wasn't a slight on that, <laughs> but I think that you know it illustrates just how how sort of young the defence is when it doesn't have, for example, like Paul Hanlon in it, um, which goes back to what we said before about having having a defender who's who's got that experience because you know I think you're you're gonna have you're you're gonna make mistakes and you're you're a young centre back. We saw Will Fish at times last season, especially when he first came into the squad. Um and I think again at the start of this season, you know, Rocky on occasion as well. They're you know they're still young. They Neither of them have played a great deal of football uh, in their careers so far, but you know they need to be allowed to make the mistakes. But they also need to benefit from from having someone alongside them or in training who can help them kind of get over these mistakes. Who they can go to and say, "What should I do in this situation? How would you deal with that?" And you know, I think it goes back to goes back to having Darren McGregor in and around the squad last season, and obviously David Gray and the coaching staff, people who've been there and done it, not just in football but at Hibs. And I think that's really, um, I think that's really sort of important, just to have those sort of figures around. So I think there was a time when you know there maybe weren't enough figures like that at Hibs. Whether that was, um, whether that was by design or whether it was deliberate, I don't know. But you had a lot of people who, um, you know, didn't really have that connection to the club, and it felt like there was you know something missing. But now, you know, you've still got Hanlon and Stevenson around you've still got David Gray around, you know, you've got Gareth Evans heading up the academy, you've got Darren McGregor, Guillaume Boozland taking the um the sort of youth teams. You've even got sort of, you know, staff behind the scenes, um, like Tommy Scanlon, Rory Monks and sort of sports science and physiotherapy department who've come back after being away. And I think just, you know, having that mix of, you know, experience in the squad, um, but also having, you know, a mix of people who get the club, who know the club inside out with sort of newcomers, it's it's probably the best way of, of ensuring that anyone who is coming in is getting a good grounding in what the club's about, what the fans expect. Um so yeah, I think I think there's there are a lot of arguments for for keeping them around beyond uh beyond the summer. There's probably also arguments for kind of not being sentimental and just, you know, kind of moving them on either into sort of non playing uh capacity or you know i mean I don't, I don't know whether whether either of them would be able to see themselves um you know playing at another club at this stage of their career so yeah i think something to um to look out for at the start of next year 
something else that might be uh, come to the forefront uh, early in 2024 is whether or not Hibs are going to have a safe standing section. Um, obviously, this has been this has been on the this has been on the table for quite some time. I think back in in 2011 was when the the SPL as was uh, kind of gave the green light for pilot schemes to you know for clubs to to look at uh, you know trials for safe standing um, after obviously the uh, you know post Hillsborough having every having a need for every stand every stadium sorry to be all seated. I think I think it was last week they put out this this consultation um, just asking fans for their thoughts and their views. They've already been speaking to fans, uh, I think, in person and in previous consultations about moving the singing section from the East Stand to the famous Five Stand. And, you know, it looks like it looks like the safe standing um, has sort of, you know, developed from that. Is that something you'd broadly be in favour of? You think that would sort of ramp up the atmosphere at Easter Road, Liam? Yeah, I'm, I'm in favour of it, yeah. I do like it um, as a concept. Um, I think... Uh, it adds a lot. Um, I think it's just uh, kind of obviously the you know the example that everybody points to um, is um, the yellow the yellow wall at Borussia Dortmund. It's the kind of standard. Um, I mean, I'm not quite expecting exactly the, the same thing um, to arrive in Scotland at any 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 point soon. But I think broadly the you know the concept, um, what it adds um, is is certainly worth exploring. Um, Obviously, the, the example everybody kind of looks to here is, is it's obviously been in place at Celtic Park um, mm. for a long time. I think the um, <laughs> you know the, the safe standing concept there has broadly been a success. Uh, it's popular with fans, and you can say that it certainly does help add to the atmosphere. Um, I th- and I just think it's you know it's something that a lot of fans are clearly in favour of. Um, it's something that a lot of fans, I think, would like to see, and it's good, obviously, when when you see clubs engaging with supporters over things like this. Because um, I think you know, it's just uh, fans just want to have the the sort of best possible experience when they go to a game. Um, and I think Hibs have been quite good um, at implementing a lot of things to you know to try and maximise that for supporters, and I, it, it feels like a kind of logical next step uh, to at least start um, consulting over it, um, kind of taking in views. I, I, I mean, obviously, I don't speak for the entire Hibs fan base, uh, of course, but I, I do feel like it is probably something that a lot of people would be in favour of. And I, I'm I'm kind of broadly supportive of the, the concept as well. I, I do quite like it, and I think it adds quite a lot to, uh, to the atmosphere at games. Yeah, I mean, it certainly was. I mean, I can remember speaking to Ron Gordon about this back in, I think, September 2021, and he was really, really kind of. I mean, as we were talking about managers, you know, it's the same with with executive chairmen, club owners, whatever. I just said chairmen, then executive chairmen, club <laughs> owners, um, whoever that you know, there can be there can be a level of sort of, you know, they 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 are sometimes non-committal about these things, but I think part of his wider wider plans to improve the the overall match day experience at Easter Road. Um, you know, Ron was really kind of adamant that, you know, safe standing was was something they wanted to explore. It was on the list. It was uh you know, felt I think it was felt that it was something the fans wanted. There was, as you were saying there, there's a lot of sort of appetite for it. Um and I certainly think when you consider what else they've done to Easter Road to to change it up and just change the match day experience for the better. You've got the big screens got the LED advertising boards you've got the you know the overhaul in hospitality which I think is you know the streets ahead of what it was um 
you know, obviously they've changed, uh, you know, some of you know, the, the big badges down by the dugouts. They've relayed the pitch. They've got the big sort of UEFA compliant lights now. And, it, you know, it sort of does feel like um, maybe the last piece of the jigsaw would be sort of, you know, investigating the, the viability of having a standing section. Obviously, they've done they've done trials previously with with the singing section, moving them to the, um, the famous five lower for the UEFA Youth League games last season. And I think for some of the European uh, games earlier earlier this year. And, you know, I think it does, again, you, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned Borussia Dortmund, just, I think Germany in, in general, you look at games, you see games on TV, and it's not just Germany, it's other, other countries as well, but, you know, Germany does seem to be the kind of, um, you know, the sort of seats seem to be the benchmark for this sort of thing. And, you know, it certainly does add to the atmosphere and, you know, more often than not, you know, there is a lot of a lot of noise and activity and colour behind behind the goals, and it does. You know, I think you speak to you speak to players, you know, in, in any of these countries, and I think they would say it does make a difference. Sort of having, um, you know, having the sort of supporters in that position, sort of, you know, willing you on to win, and and certainly, you know, the sort of under nineteen spoke about it very favourably when when they were playing their uh, their youth league games at Easter Road and. The sort of the difference it made it made to them, and it, it seems logical to suggest well, if it made a difference in a in a youth league game, then it would certainly make a difference in you know a Scottish Premiership game, a Scottish Cup game, a, you know a European game. Um, and I think it's I think it's certainly it's interesting to see Hibs sort of continuing to engage with fans on this, um, whether it's the singing section element moving them from the east to the famous five, or whether it's looking at a you know looking at a standing section. I think. I think the problem they have is that obviously you've got season ticket holders in the famous five lower who you know might be happy standing but not wanting to be part of a singing section or you know individuals who might not be happy standing or being part of the singing section and you know so obviously that has to be taken into consideration um but i think i mean i, I wrote about this earlier this week and i said this um in in the article that you know, we, we don't really have a, a sort of end end date for this. There's no sort of time frame uh, in place, which I'm sure is, is deliberate on Hibs um, on Hibs part. But it wouldn't surprise me if, given when season tickets went on sale for the current season um, this year, which I think was uh, towards the end of February, I would be I wouldn't be surprised if they've sort of made a decision by then um, mm-hmm. if they've been able to kind of reach a conclusion about you know whether or not there will be uh, a standing section and. You know, if, if that's the case, then, you know, again, this was something else I said in the piece that would, you know, I think it would suggest that it could be done by, you know, probably the, the summer. And I think that would be quite, quite interesting is, you know, to do this consultation, to speak to the fans and then to be able to turn it around, um, you know, as, as quickly as that, um, rather than, you know, it taking sort of like a long period of time and, you know, fans sort of like becoming a bit disengaged and, and things like that. So. Um, again, you know, something else to, to keep an eye on. I think, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we do hear more uh, more on this in the, the not too distant future. Um, so we'll certainly keep a keep an eye out for that. I think just to wrap up the uh, sort of Hibs talking points from this week uh, would be Kevin Kevin Van Veen, who's issued the uh, classic "Come Come and Get Me" plea to Scottish clubs. Um, Ahead of the January transfer window, obviously a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a rift with his manager at Groningen, Dick Luckian, um, has held his hands up and, and said that he maybe said something he shouldn't have. I really uh, want to know what he said. I know we all do. We all do. Um, 
you know, we can we can uh, I think we can only guess at this stage, but you know, it's it's there are obviously personal reasons behind it as well um, for him, and you know, I think he's he's spoken about coming back. He was certainly um, hot property in the summer because everyone knew he was leaving Motherwell, and I think it was suggested at the time that maybe Hibbs should be should be looking at him. But then again, you mentioned this earlier the, the sort of age profile. You know, was he maybe? You know, if, if Hibs still see themselves as a selling team, is he too old for, you know, bringing in on what would probably be premium wages and then, you know, not really having a sell-on value? But, you know, you also look at the goals he scored last season and think that's that's something that, that can't really be sniffed at. But you you looked at you looked at this earlier this week. Um, you sort of crunched the numbers um, in Statsbomb just to sort of see what he could bring to Hibs. I mean, we're not suggesting for a moment here that, you know, Brian McDermott's currently in the Netherlands with a, a big checkbook. That's not what we're saying at all. But obviously it's it's a, a transfer that previously a lot of fans were, I think, interested in. And obviously if he's coming back to Scotland, you'd imagine you'd imagine that, you know, Hibs may be one of the, the teams that, you know, might be might be able to um you know to sort of have him for half a season. But you looked at the stats, you looked at the the numbers, what what could he bring to Hibs if if they were interested? Um, well, I mean, obviously the obvious. Um, yeah, I was going to say the obvious thing is goals. It's it's a difficult one. I mean, again, we're not. You know, that's just kind of just always oh, kind of purely speculative. Um, the moment I just it's you know it's it's clearly a, a talking point when. Um, a player who scored 29 goals in the Scottish Premiership last season, or well, not, kind of, sorry, across all competitions last season, um, becomes available and attainable um, to to clubs outside of Celtic and Rangers. Um, it's it, and it's it's a kind of difficult one because you you'd think you know kind of stripped of a lot of context, you know, 29 goals last last season. You'd think, well, that's an absolutely no-brainer. My team should be interested in. And, uh, and bringing this guy in. Um, but, you know, there is kind of considerable, you know, context to it. There are a lot of things to consider. Um, I can, uh, the first one is obviously, you know, he, he's his age, he is kind of, he's 32 now, um, Van Veen. Um, again, do Hibs need another senior striker um, in the squad um, who, as you say, kind of know, no real sell on value. Um, he's not going to play for peanuts. Uh, Van Veen, you know, he's he's probably um, obviously moved out to to Groningen. Um, that's probably you know earned him a bit more of a payday than he was getting at Motherwell. I think he was quite open about that as well. You know, he was coming at the end of his career. If he could get an, another sort of bigger move, um, financial in financial terms, anyway, he was he was certainly open to that. Um, so it's it's a difficult one because a lot of his, you know, you, you look at his goals, you think, well, even if he's not playing every single week, you know, that's a player who could bring considerable value to your squad um, and a system as well that does require two strikers. Um, you want to have as many options there as possible. Um, he's kind of more than just a kind of come on to in a moment. That he is more than just a, a goal scorer as well. He did bring a lot to Motherwell last season. Um, oh. I suppose the question you would, the obvious question is, you know, twenty nine goals was that you know a guy on an incredible hot streak? Um, it's he's he scored a lot of goals kind of earlier in his career in the sort of, but I mean, it's, it was a kind of very lower levels of Dutch football. Then he went to England, and it, it's it's a kind of difficult one to kind of you know 
fathom out because he was playing for a few sides who you know they were not good teams really uh, a lot of teams who were struggling um and obviously not scoring many goals in general uh you know good when he came up to motherwell at first and then obviously last season he just he completely exploded again and a team that was for i mean for a significant chunk of last season i remember thinking motherwell had really had the look of relegation about them um yeah he kind of looked in a bit of a spiral at one point, um, but he continued scoring goals through that. And just in terms of whether, you know, it was, would they be able to replicate that? I think when you kind of drill down into the um, his stats from last season, he, he wasn't, it wasn't a case of him, you know, scoring a lot of unlikely goals. You know, when a player goes on a streak where, you know, it's from whatever position they're in the park, um no matter how good a chance it was, it seems to fly into the net. Um, there wasn't a lot of kind of sort of low um, quality, or kind of low ex- expected goals um, opportunities that he was somehow managing to put into the net. The kind of when you looked at the goals and the kind of level of sort of the quality of the chance, it basically was if you created a good chance for him, he was going to put it away. He was a kind of very reliable finisher of good chances. So it was you know it wasn't a kind of Great suggestion that he was just a guy who had hit this incredible hot streak where absolutely everything he was hitting was was uh, getting into the back of the net. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean that suggests that he probably could be relied on to provide goals. I think before he uh, before he told his manager where to go at Groningen, he was on a goal every other game, which again suggests that he's continued from from, from last season. Um, he was obviously up for Player of the Year um, in a number of categories last year. Uh, just in terms of his creative um, output as well, I think he made sort of 38 key passes across the season, which is basically just a pass that then leads to the team having a shot, which was, you know, was comparable. It was in the same sort of ballpark as kind of other guys who were up for the Player of the Year award. You're talking, you know, kind of Rio Hitati, um Callum McGregor, Malik Tillman at Rangers. Um so I mean, he brought a lot more to Motherwell than just than just goals. He was just he was just the main man, basically. Um, but then there is obviously the fact that you know he is kind of getting on a bit in years. Um, maybe starting to come to that stage, his career where he might end up slowing down a wee bit would be a bit of a maybe a risk in in those terms. And then it's just I suppose it comes down to the fact you do have really need another striker. Because obviously Elias Melkerson is coming back. Um, he's a kind of a young guy who's coming back, obviously looking for chances in the first team. Nick Montgomery's expressed an interest, and in, you know I'm going to use. He's got a part to play, suggesting he's going to use him. I think I know circumstances change, and in football, you know clubs have got to be ruthless when good opportunities come along. But how would it look to him really if he's coming back to Hibs looking for a chance, and then in January? Hibs go out and sign another striker um, and I think if there's not a lot of money to play with in the January transfer window then you know as, as that money perhaps is there, is there a greater need area in other areas of the squad obviously we talked about um, uh, the centre back position Hibs are a wee bit light there should that be the priority maybe some guys are going to have to move on as well so I think with, with Van Veen you know, on paper, a twenty-nine goal striker, you'd be kind of like, "How do we, you know, can a club really turn their nose up at that?" But I think I just don't know if the timing 
is quite right for us, just all, all the kind of factors I've mentioned before and the fact that they'd be bringing in another senior player to the squad who isn't going to, um, you know, there's no kind of resale value. It's, would he want a, would he be interested in a short-term contract? It's, I, I don't know. It's, it's a difficult one because, you, you know, you can pick out reasons for and against and I think that's why we had a, uh, a very mixed reaction to it. <laughs> I think I feel like most people seem to be like emphatically, yes, 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 get this guy in, or emphatically, no, not interested whatsoever. Um, there was no sort of middle ground, so I suppose that, I suppose it at least tells us it was a good talking point. Yeah, uh-huh. well, he certainly certainly ticked the box in in that sense. Um, I mean, I, I think. I suppose my take on it would be that you consider what Hibs have in attack. You know, if they're playing this playing the way that Montgomery wants to play with sort of two centre forwards, two wingers who can interchange with, you know, one of the centre forwards dropping deep. You've obviously got Eli Yuan, you've got Martin Boyle, you've got uh, Jair Tavares who can play um, out wide. Up front, you've got, at the moment, Christian Doidge is coming back, you've got Dylan Venter, you've got, uh, you know, Adam Lafondre once he's uh, once he's fit, fit again. You've also got as you mentioned, Elias Melkerson coming back. You've also got Harry McCurdy, who mm-hmm. you know, obviously yeah. is still some way away from sort of returning to action. But it's certainly there was a time when I think you could argue Hibs didn't really have a lot in the final thirds. But at the moment, I think they do. You know, if, if they did bring in Van Veen, that would be an awful lot um, of kind of maybe out and out strikers. And I think really, you know, if they are going to be bringing anything in in the final third, I think you'd have to say it's got to be a winger. Um, I think we've seen we've seen with, uh, you know, the way they've been playing recently that, you know, Montgomery has had to adapt his, his 4-4-2 to, uh, you know, slightly different setups to kind of accommodate players being able to play in that sort of setup, but not quite in the positions that, you know, Previous, previously, he's used. So you know, you look at Josh Campbell coming in. Obviously, Josh Campbell's not a winger, um, but you know, he was using him as a sort of almost as a sort of number ten um, alongside Tavares, and he's. I think he had uh, you know Dylan Vente, Martin Boyle up top. So you know, you want players who you can sort of um, you know have that flexibility to play you know in a number of positions. But yeah, I mean, for me, final third, you need you need wingers, you need wide options. Um, I mean, I think it says a lot that you know when Rory Whisker was coming on for his debut, he was he was playing you know further up the park than than he would normally because you know he's a right back um, or tends to play there for the or was playing there for the under 18s and you know obviously these days players are very versatile; they can play a number of positions. But you know, I think that sort of tells you um, probably just how kind of stretched Hibs are for for options in in the wide areas. Um, and again, you look at how many goals they're scoring and how many goals they're conceding. You think the problem is not in front of goal; the problem is, you know, in defence. Um, you know, whether that's you know the fullbacks, centre backs, whether it's protecting them uh, from midfield. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm I'm the same as you. You can you can see having a, a 29 goal striker sort of available would be, you know, potentially bite your hand off territory. But you know. You look at his scoring record so far this season for Groningen, who are currently playing in the second tier in the Netherlands, which is what Dylan Venter was doing before Hibs signed him. And, you know, the difference, obviously, is here's a player closer to the start of his career than Van Veen, who, 
you know, will have a, a sell on value who I think if he, you know, continues his, his sort of goal scoring streak or his goal scoring form for, for Hibs over the, the course of this season, maybe next season, you know, there is going to be interest, um, you know, from from bigger clubs because, you know, what club doesn't want a sort of up and coming goal scorer who you can rely on, who can do all the things that, that Bent is doing. So, yeah, I think, I think for me, it's, you know, maybe in the summer before, you know, before sort of signings were made, um, you know, before Adam LaFondre, for instance, was brought in, you know, here was somebody who might have been worth a shout, obviously knows the league, um, you know, can play, uh, you say he can complain as a centre forward, but he can also, he can bring other players into it. He's, he's got that creative streak. But yeah, I think if I was, if I was the recruitment team at Easter Road, I would be, I'd be looking at other uh, other areas of the of the squad before uh, before centre forward, and it's you know I think I think Montgomery and, and McDermott and and the sort of scouting team, the recruitment team will be doing that. I think they'll be looking at you know what badly needs sorted, um, and I think as I said, you've got to have we've got to have a look at wide options in there, possibly something in central defence. Um, you know that certainly seems to be the. Certainly seems to be the sort of key areas that you would need filled before before going to the um you know before looking for another another centre forward. So, you know, perhaps perhaps the case of like an interesting an interesting player, but you know, not the right not the right time, you know, maybe that maybe that boat has sailed. Um but you know, we look forward to look forward to what Hibbs will end up doing in in January. Um Brian McDermott said um at an event uh, last month saying that they expected it to be you know, kind of more of a reactive window. Um, so maybe not not necessarily, you know, going out and sort of bringing in sort of four or five, six signings, but sort of, you know, waiting to see, you know, what happens with other players in the squad. I mean, there are there are a lot of players in that squad. I mean, it's a question uh, someone's put. I mean, obviously this is a, a wider topic for another video, um, asking, you know, what we think will happen with the likes of Dylan Tate and, uh, Dylan Tate and Dan McKay in January. I mean, that's... You know that's a whole other discussion. Um, but you know, there's what ten players out on loan at the moment. Obviously, the squad isn't the biggest. Uh, you know that Nick Montgomery has at his disposal. But you know, if you are going to be bringing players in, um, then the suggestion is you know players are going to have to have to move on as well. So you know, I think January could be an interesting month. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt that you know Hibs will maybe need one or two uh, incomings. Although obviously, I know the. You know, with the players who are out injured at the moment, you know, you'll have McCurdy back, you'll have Chris Cadden coming back as well. Um, you know, you'll have Adam LaFondra back. So I think, you know, there's a couple of those players who I think Montgomery has actually said, you know, will be like like new signings. Um, but yeah, I think I think given what Hibs have at their disposal, disposal at the moment uh, and the other areas of the team that need surgery before um, before up top, I think I think we can probably be fairly confident in saying it'd be surprising if, if he was on the radar. I mean, obviously, you know, this could come back to Hornby and uh, <laughs> Welcome to Hibs, Kevin Van Veen. Yeah, I'll have, I'll have, <laughs> um, you know, bookmark this, what is it, 42 minutes, 55 seconds in. Um you know, I, I I'll hold my hands up. If that happens, I will hold my hands up. But I think, you know, all joking aside, looking at the, the state of the squad at the moment and, and what it needs, what it would benefit from, that I would be surprised. I think it would be the the best way of putting it. Um, but let's uh, you know, let's wait and see. 
Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, we'll be back uh, probably sometime next week to have a look back at the game at the weekend. Hibs on the road uh, at Dundee, hoping for um, another three points, building on the win before the international break. Uh, and yeah, for all the for all the benefits of watching Scotland qualify for major tournaments uh, consistently, it is going to be nice to get domestic football back and uh, get back to the, sorry to borrow the cliche from footballers, but your bread and butter. So uh, thank you for joining us and we will see you again soon. Cheers.